1: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery Endo podcast about a life following Watford Football Club. That's the Premier League Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John. With me is uh, Adam Leventhal. Hello. Who has been at the Brentford Community Stadium today. And Mike. Hello, John. Hello, Adam. Hello, everybody. It was 2 0 defeat at Brentford. But pre season you know, isn't about results all the time. It's off. Oh, Oh, no, wait! It was actually a game in the championship, but it felt like a preseason game. Adam, you were there. What was the what was the energy like? What was the the feeling like? Both the, the whole stadium with Brentford and where they are because they're in the playoffs and Watford are promoted. What was it like in the ground today?
2: It was my first visit, and I was very very impressed. I like just a little bit of background. Obviously, working at, at Sky Sports for years and years and years, I've seen this ground being built over the years and driven past it so many times when I was going into Sky Studios and all that sort of stuff but it's the first time I'd ever set foot inside and it's really 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 nice it's not too big it's just the right size you're really close to the action I like the sort of the mottled colour effect on the on the seats and things like that and it's just all very neat and tidy and for their sake I hope they get up into the Premier League because I think for a lot of away fans it's going to be a really nice away day you know by the thames i've just pulled up because i had to leave up, you know leave the car park at the, at the stadium you know right by the thames right by Kew bridge there's some decent pubs around and i you know previously griffin park was famous because it had um four pubs on each on each corner oh, one, one pub on each corner that might have been overkill with four <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's just they, they've done it really well it's a well-run club and I really like Thomas Frank as well. I know he's sort of, he might not, a bit marmite for, for fans and things like that. He's, he's sort of quite self-confident, but I think they've got a good club, well run with a, a, an interesting philosophy and a good pathway through to the first team. So all in all, first experience of going to the stadium was was really good, bar the result really.
1: Yeah but you say that, that, that pathway and that sort of philosophy that they have I think that's what everyone sort of talks about and they are I think at that stage where you need to go up lads and, and see what you can do even if they only got for one year it will, it's part of their sort of can they become anything more than, than what Brentford have been but Mike the game itself it didn't mean anything technically and there were a lot of changes I know you were disappointed about one thing in particular weren't you?
3: First and foremost, Norwich have tied up the title today. So congratulations to them. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd have won in the end that Norwich got their victory. So that meant that the the title was always um, going to end up at Carrow Road. So that was a long shot. But the one thing we did have to play for was um, the best defensive record in the championship, which I think is 30. No one's conceded fewer than 30 goals in in a championship season. Um, I think believe that was Middlesbrough. We've done 28 up until today um, and we've let that well, it's it's a bit being a bit picky, isn't it? But we let a little bit. Today. So we've um, so we've uh, we've drawn with that. So yeah, I was quite keen. I just thought it would be a nice little. If we couldn't get the title, it would be a nice and a nice little flourish to the season, a nice little footnote to the season, and uh, a a worthy sort of achievement from the uh, for, for the for the defenders because that's really what this season has been built built on, hasn't it? Some superb defensive work. So a shame to see that go. But um, yeah, that's that that's that's being a bit picky, really.
1: A lot picky, I think, Michael. Uh, But it was an (laughs) opportunity, I suppose, Adam, for for many players to to shine a little bit, uh, either because they haven't been playing in the first team, or even young players who are sort of making their their mark, Uh, particularly uh, Joseph Hungbo, and it was so annoying and so sad for him, for him, having showed us a lot this season, wanting to see a whole 90 minutes for him, and he lasted 20
2: yeah it was it was really, really disappointing and and Chisco Munoz said after the game that it's, you know sometimes these things happen that you wait for your opportunity and you're sort of you're full of power and full of energy, and because you haven't been playing and you haven't had that sort of consistency, these things can. Happen, unfortunately, that you can pick up a, a hamstring injury. It looked like a hamstring injury when he went off. It's just cruel. But I suppose you know the, the subplot to the game was that we got a showcase into all the players that could potentially play on on the right hand side. And I think we had, you know, so we had Hungo to start off with, then Argle came on for five minutes, then Success came on to replace Cleverly. That pulled Argle back into midfield, and then Success mm. had a go on the on the right hand side, and then. Who else had a go? I think someone else had a go on the... Oh, yeah, Pochettino towards the, end, towards the end of the game. So it's like, yeah, come on, you know, have a go. And I don't think anyone really um, covered themselves in glory. And I, I suppose you sort of get an insight there into how influential Ismail Asari is and just how yeah. consistent he's been that we haven't really had to even worry about first change and, you know, or we we'll need to take him off after 70 minutes to save him for a midweek game against Rotherham. They've just been pushing him out, you know week in or, you know, day in, day out almost in the championship.
1: I, I felt that actually what this game really showed me was that we were able and we were lucky in many ways to keep such a strong starting eleven for this whole season. It was almost like this could have been if things had gone badly with, with injuries, um, particularly Ishmael Asar, if he'd left maybe in, in January. It just sort of shows where, you know, maybe the, where not the weaknesses, but the limitations of our squad. And, you know, there are things to be done in the, in the, in the summer before the real preseason starts. Mike, there's one player in particular who came on, uh, and as my, my, Adam's already said, he, he got about five minutes in his preferred position. PZ7, if I was young and hit, that's what I'd call him, but uh, <laughs> Philip Zinkanagel. Do you feel like promotion has come a little bit too soon for him? And maybe... Do you think he's got what? It, are we going to see him playing next year? Do you think?
3: I don't think it's come too soon. You know, he's part of this squad. He was he was bought with a view to him playing a, a key role in the in the squad. Clearly, and I think his first game was Manchester United, wasn't it, in the FA Cup, and you know against Premier League opposition, albeit not Man United's first team, but you know, recognizable uh, side. And I think the pace in which that game was played suited Philip Zinchenko, and I think the sort of slightly less rumbustious nature. Of the Premier League um, might actually suit him a little bit. He might have a little bit more time on, on the ball. You have to be obviously more uh, precise. You don't get second chances in the Premier League. If you make mistakes, you're going to be punished. Um, the chances that you get offensively, you need to take them. So that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. But I think in terms of the whole pace um, of it, I think it actually might might suit him. I think it was pretty clear he found it relatively difficult to adjust to the to the to the rough and tumble of the of the championship didn't he and, and understandably so in fairness i mean it is, it's is ludicrous you watch the watch the some of the fouls that don't get given in the in the championship and and you think about God, if that'd been in the premier league it wouldn't only be a foul it would probably be a yellow card or even a red card so it's all a million miles an hour hasten, jason um, and I think it was a bit of a shock to the system. So I'm actually fascinated to see how he does in in the Premier League, and I've actually got high hopes for him. He's obviously talented. He's obviously skillful, quick feet, can pick a pass, good assist rate, and I reckon he's got a, a decent shot on him as well. So I actually think yeah, he could be one to watch in the in the Premier League. I've I've got high hopes for
1: him. Adam, the uh, high hopes, no hopes, either success and Andre Gray. This was an opportunity for them. Do you think it was the game? Do you think it was the fact that the rest of the team weren't sort of behind them to do what they needed to do? I know this is such a negative thing to sort of talk about at, at this point, but nothing sort of shone through to make me really guarantee, I think, that they're going to be around next year, if not or not desire to be around next year.
2: Well, let's de- deal with them separately. I think Andre Gray playing centrally... I don't know they just there's just not enough really from him unfortunately and and I don't think the service was particularly good to him and I think he was getting very frustrated about some of the balls that were being sort of pinged over the top but there there was it there was enough there and he had you know a couple of opportunities on the ball to to maybe pick a better pass and then in the second half when he did get that chance and if you are a central striker and it's not going your way you've got to take your opportunity when it comes and it was actually Cafu from the right hand side Craig Cathcart that swung it in and that was his chance he got the right side he needed to control it and he couldn't control it and he couldn't finish if that had been another striker they may well have done it and that's the difference you know he needed that to build his confidence but he he it was a it was a confidence-draining performance from from Andre Gray, unfortunately for him. Because then, if you and I'll deal with Isaac Success in a minute, but you had Steeper Pariza come on and made a, a surging run into the right-hand channel, and I know he, you know, he didn't get the the chip right, and it was easy for Raya to, to save. But it was just that instinct that he ran onto the ball, knew what he wanted to do, and then he had an opportunity and I'm not saying that Stipe Perica is is the answer but I thought that in that five minutes I saw more of a accomplished striker than I had done in the 85 minutes before with Andre Gray and look you know he has had moments this season he scored a good goal if memory serves against Birmingham when he ran onto the ball and just sort of was very sort of tunnel vision and, and and banged it home scored against Wickham as well but it's just not enough to be considered to be Number one or even number two, I don't think anymore. And then Isaac's success has obviously been given a fair few opportunities recently. And there were moments today, there's something there. But I just think they can't hope for that something to sort of be knitted together in, in consistent performances and retain him and keep that faith into the Premier League, even though I think that he could be. He could be a player. I, I, there's something you know that the way he's got, he's got a good touch at times. He's got strength. He can keep the ball. He can hold the ball up. With, you know, he goes down too quickly. There's just a few. There's a few things. If you could just get them out of his game, and t- like take out the sort of going down too easily, channel that into really pressing, pressing hard all the way through a, a challenge or all the way through a press, and then he would be some player. But I just I'm just not sure, you know, if, if they are presented with an opportunity to move him on so they can give someone else a chance or bring someone else in, then I think with both Andre Grey and Isaac's success, then they will take that opportunity. And I think it's just because they know that they aren't gonna they're not gonna pull up trees in the Premier League and they wanna try and try a different approach. So I think that's that's one of the most interesting things. And then when you sort of set that alongside the narrative of playing against the side in Brentford that have had one striker who scored 30 goals and Ivan Tony just looks dangerous he he links up well his assist rate is 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 scary as well as his 30 goals and you just sort of compare those levels that is a premier league striker in the waiting watford haven't got any premier league strikers and they're going to be in the premier league so that's the, that's the big thing isn't it
3: I think with Isaac's success, I think there's an element of him being slightly unlucky. He's never had a prolonged run in the side, has he? Whether it be injury or or other people being in form. He just hasn't had that chance to iron out any kinks or issues that he's got. Um, and therefore, I think when he has come in, he, he feels feels things a little bit more keenly. I think the way he goes down is is embarrassing, really. And it, I think it speaks to his attitude on, as, on a wider context, really. I think if you come in and, and want to prove yourself, it's not about winning cheap free kicks, is it? It's about scoring goals. And quite frankly, he's never really looked like doing it. And I agree with Adam. They obviously think there is something in there because they've kept him around. He got a contract extension. And he's been given chances ahead of other people. You mentioned Stepe Paritza, Ad who hasn't hasn't had a look in until this afternoon, you have to think that he'd probably be um looking looking elsewhere as well in the in the summer. But I think the time really now has come with Isaac's success. They've tried um, and ultimately he has failed, haven't they? What is it? 61, 62, 63 performances for Watford, two goals in that time and just looks increasingly disinterested and um, and unlikely to make any sort of impact. And like Adam rightly says, this is in the championship, um, a, a dead rubber in effect today. And he's sort of throwing himself around instead of really trying to, to force the issue. I think his performance against Luton was an absolute disgrace. Um, And I think he's, whilst it's unfortunate, you can't deny he he must have talent. They paid a lot of money for him, gave him that contract extension, gave him opportunities. He's absolutely failed to take them. And I think, you know, without wanting to be too harsh on anyone in particular I think they just need to do whatever they do, need to do to get him out of the club he'll be on decent wages and that's probably a problem but if they can ship him off to, to a championship side I can't imagine they'll, anyone will want to pay any money for him so that's whatever it is 12 million pound not well spent plus the wages but you live and you learn and I think it's time, it's time for him to to go and yeah Andre Gray it's it just hasn't worked really has it I think the, the the attitude you know there's been the well publicised issues off the pitch I think we've talked about them plenty but we have talked about character and he's he, he never goes missing on the pitch Andre Gray um, and I think we've heard enough to know that he is a decent and well liked part of the of the squad it just hasn't happened for him on the pitch and I and I think again it's time that we just say right when it comes to the Premier League we're going to be in in a, in, a, in a situation where we're going to get two or three decent or even half chances a game, and we need a striker who's going to stick one of them in if we're going to be in with a chance of of staying in the division. Are either of those guys going to do it? You'd have to stay... Honestly, no. It's not as easy just moving them on. We've, we've had this discussion before, and Adam, Adam's made the point you can't just leave them by the side of the road. Um, they're, they're a contract, and their careers, and 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 they were obviously wanting to be looking after their their futures, and, and as they as is their right from Watford's point of view. The striker hunt, I think, it needs to be stepped up, and and what we saw today just uh, just uh, brought that into pretty sharp contrast, didn't it?
1: Adam, is it was it just literally? A dead rubber game for, for Watford and the, the energy levels once that first goal went in, which was a, you know, came out of nowhere after the, after the break and I'm still not quite sure 100% if that was a, a really decent penalty uh, for, for them to get. Is it just, just the fact that the, you know, this is the, the game after the, the promotion was a success and we should just forget about it?
2: Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. They're not going to. They're not going to worry too much about it. I didn't sort of see a team that was on the beach in the first half. I, I, I really didn't. I thought that, that I was quite impressed by, you know, the fact that they'd slotted back into a, you know, a, a high level up against a, a good technical side. And I know that there was a little bit of a drop off from Brentford as well. I mean, they wanted to secure the win. They had something really to play for. I think, you know, we've spoken about it before, that the, the distance to get to Norwich was, was unrealistic. So there was always going to be a little bit of a drop-off in levels. And when you change things around, so you've got Christian Cabasele rather than William Troucester-Kong, so you haven't got that connection with him and Sierra Craig Cathcart's been doing a decent job at, at right-back. He was, unfortunately, he got clipped. In, you probably obviously saw it, everyone would have seen it. But, you know, he got clipped and then went down. And then thought, "Oh God, right at the beginning of the second half, and he was out of position, so there was that sort of overload on the on the left hand side, Brentford left, and that led to the led to the goal, so that was unfortunate. The penalty I think was just sort of a clumsy foot, wasn't it in there and And yeah. Tony went down, and he was always going to slot it home. But I thought that the the goal actually woke Watford up, and I thought that they played with actually a little bit more purpose and a little bit more they were a little bit braver, and they were trying to make passes, and they were driving with their runs a little bit more um so I wasn't, I wasn't too worried about the, the performance overall in terms of the, the sort of the mentality and, the, and the, what they were trying to do. It was just the people that were trying to do it weren't, weren't quite up to it today. I don't think it's, you know, it's not, it's not one to, it really is not one to worry about. Definitely um, not but it it did it just sort of gave us a little window just a little bit of a window and a little bit of a a little bit of a reminder for you know Cristiano Gioretta the, the the sporting director and and for Gino Pozzo and and for Scott Duxbury, just to maybe go what well, that was your chance we'll take everything into consideration in the mitigation but yeah i think we've probably made our minds up a little bit a little bit more on a, on a on a few players here and there but overall the players that played i thought played well so you know it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad
3: yeah, we've been. I've been quite negative, certainly. But but the the game in itself, I think it turned on the on the Hungbo injury, didn't it? I think Watford looked really really threatening down that side. He was incredibly bright and was was asking huge questions of the of the Brentford de- defenders. And I thought we looked most lightly really while he was on the pitch. And I think when he came off and then Tom Cleverley in quick succession, and it just went ah, this is just going to be one of those afternoons. And I think if we got the quick goal, it could have been a bit more of a a fiesta because sometimes. When you get the promotion, you, you, the, the 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 momentum just carries on, doesn't it? Even if you haven't been as focused perhaps as you ordinarily would have been. Obviously, they would had to, had to have had time off last week. It's not an ordinary preparation for a game, but sometimes you don't need it when you're when you're high on success, basically. Uh, and I think perhaps if we had nicked that that early goal, perhaps you know Hungbo should have had a penalty. But perhaps the, the Gosling had a had a great chance and uh, perhaps should have done a little bit better. But I thought Hungbo should have had a had a penalty there. That goal goes in, and I think Watford might have. Uh, might have had a much more enjoyable afternoon. So there's absolutely no concern for me in terms of the performance. We've done our work and we earned the right uh for to to not worry about that that going our way it wasn't all bad by any any stretch of the imagination we did hit the crossbar twice on another day we come away with with something from it absolutely but this isn't a day really to 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 worry too much about about the result this is you know already we, we we've been spending the last week already looking forward to to next season and and I think quite rightly so as adam says the the title was a very very long shot wasn't to be even if we'd won 10 nil today we weren't going to win the title so not going to get too upset about the game at all it's just focused on some areas that that perhaps we know we're going to have to definitely definitely make a change but if what i don't think any Watford supporter will lose too much sleep tonight and and i think that's absolutely right
2: this episode is supported by season three of fx is welcome to wrexham
1: We talked about it a few weeks ago, it's still rumbling all over the place and under there and over there, Uh, the possibility of a new Watford Stadium and a few weeks ago after our chat, but not because of our chat, uh, the Mayor of Watford, Peter Taylor, uh, sent out a couple of tweets uh, about his thoughts and what he's doing Uh, and I caught up with him to find out about where him and Watford Council are about this possible move for Watford Football Club.
4: So I've been saying, you know, right since these plans were first muted that From my perspective as Mayor of Watford I want to make sure that the club succeeds and uh, work with them to make sure that they've got every opportunity to to expand the ground at Vicarage Road. I just think there was a bit of, you know, not everybody was kind of aware of that and and also the fact that the council's been working really closely with the club, there's workshops. The other change of course is that the hospital plans are progressing and, and the plans there are to build a new hospital effectively on where the car park is at the moment and so that does free up some space and provide opportunities. Um, so I just wanted to make people, you know, my view, uh, I mean, as I say, I have said it over the last 12 months, but just to be really clear that I want to do everything I can so that the club has the option, the opportunity to stay on the current site and increase the capacity.
1: Because you've been the mayor for three years now?
4: That's right. Yeah, just coming up to three years. Yeah,
1: and also you were deputy mayor before that. Has this sort of stuff come up before?
4: I have lots of conversations with the club about things like you know car parking and you know restrictions on roads you know and all those sorts of things even things like when they obviously got to the FA Cup final about having the screen in Casterbury Park there's lots of conversations about operational things and I said I remember when I ran for mayor actually in 2018 saying at the time that I wanted to work proactively with the club and look to you know opportunities to increase the capacity I mean they you know, they're really clear that they want to have a 30,000-seater capacity. It's about making sure that they're not a yo-yo club, kind of going between the Premier League and the Championship, but established Premier League club. And to do that for all of the financial reasons and everything else, they they do need more capacity. So my response has been, well, let's see if we can make that happen at Vicarage Road. You know, I want to see Watford SC staying in Watford. And I know there are mixed views amongst the fans, but I think, by and large, if, if people had a choice between what's been proposed in Bushy being in Bushy and being at Vicarage Road. The preference for lots of fans would be, well, let's keep it at Vicarage Road. I do think it makes a difference having a club right in the centre of the town. and um, you, you have that buzz in the town centre, you have people going to pubs and bars and all the rest of it. Um, and I think that would change if you've got, you know, if the, if the location moves to being close by uh, Junction 5 of the M1 and close to, Bush, you know, and in Bushy.
1: You know, what, what? What would do you think the impact would be? Because you know, there's only a certain number of home games every year where fans are turning up. What would it impact? I suppose.
4: Yeah, I mean, talking to the businesses in the town centre, you know, match days, there's a real buzz in the town centre. You know, I think that would be lost. There would still be some people that are going to the town centre, but very, you know, far fewer. If you're coming, I don't know, say a lot of people arriving at Watford Junction Station, their route from Watford Junction Station to the to the ground would not go through Watford Town Centre. Um, and so that I think would have a big impact um, I mean we've got all the figures I think it's something like a 25% to 30% increase in the amount of people in the town centre on a home match day Saturday compared to a, another Saturday so it is you know a significant increase in the number of people and obviously that provides income for those businesses and jobs and all the rest of it so it is a significant economic impact on the town if if the club moved out
1: and and, and do you really think there is room you know have, have you looked in terms of that that at because I know one side has got all the houses, and um, mm. the other side, I say, has got. What is the development directly
4: behind what was the old allotments? So that's um, turning into a multi story car park. Okay, and right. So that's what then frees up the car park for the hospital. I got you. Yeah. Cool. Of course, you've got the flats on the back of one of the stands, which uh, doesn't help. But um, I mean, that's what we're looking at at the moment. We're looking at kind of what are the options, what's feasible um obviously the four corners have been filled in which has increased the capacity and it's it's not a definite outcome at the moment it's just exploring what are the possibilities to expand on the current at the current site.
1: Adam, you did a piece uh this week Watford's plan to redevelop Vicarage Road uh accelerating after promotion and it, it is sort of the thing we, we I suspected was going to start revving up but you you put it down as a de- redevelopment of Vicarage Road and you know the the mayor seems to be more happy about that what what else have you found out about this redevelopment or possible move
2: it's quite interesting at the moment and obviously people that live locally will have you know been reading the local news about Watford general for, for quite some time but now that Watford are back in the Premier League and there seems to be a real push to get this new Watford general which will move from you know the the existing site onto the existing car park which will then free up space behind the graham taylor stand for that to be done hopefully by 2025 and sort of my understanding is that that the push really is to to get it done by that date because it was a conservative party pledge at the election to get 40 hospitals <laughs> done by 2030 i think they've sort of backtracked and it's going to be six for the time being and one of those is is what for general so they would like to have some sort of um proof that they um know what they're talking about or can be trusted whatever whatever way your leaning is um so it's sort of linked in with with political momentum in terms of the national side of things but then also local momentum because i don't think the watford council as we've heard from from peter would would like to have the town's football club not playing within the town's boundary so if watford's aim is to you know redevelop Vicarage Road and to do those you know things that they they probably always wanted to do even if they are going to move to a new stadium it just sort of gives them a little bit more incentive that the sort of the the I don't know sort of like a moldy carrot has been dangled in front of (laughs) Watford Council (laughs) you know oh oh, we're going to move away by the way we're going to move well hang on a minute Uh, we actually stay so I think it's sort of just, you know, grease the wheels a little bit, or whatever the saying is, to make sure that Watford and their potential move into the space at, at, at Watford General, expanding that side of the ground, maybe expanding the, the Sir Elton John um, stand side of the ground as well, is helped by the council as much as possible because they want the club to stay in the town, you know, for, for as long as for as long as long possible. So it's it's an interesting sort of political debate that the promotion and the the push to get it done by by 2025 and things like that has has just sort of has just sort of focused everyone's minds and and you know they've been having planning meetings and and things like that just to to make sure that you know that they can start to sort of move forward with with that plan because I think if you if you look at it and you know they would have had sort of not not that the hierarchy would have gone to all of these grounds all season but in the championship, you will, have, you will have had an opportunity to go to, to various different grounds that are those sort of generic bowls that, that often you get if you redevelop or you, you move to a new stadium in the championship, the likes of sort of, I don't know, Pride Park or, or Stoke or Middlesbrough and things like that. And when you get an insight into that, when you come back to Vicarage Road and you see the character and the fact that it's in the middle of the town and you can walk there from the pub and all that sort of stuff you realise how lucky we are to still be in one of those sort of stadiums. And, and whilst it's not imperative that we have a you know, 60, 70,000-seater stadium for when we are the Premier League champions in you know, five years' time, you know I think we can probably deal with our current capacity just slightly augmented and also on the financial bottom line to improve it in the short term that can bring in a little bit more corporate hospitality dollar, which will help the bottom line and help the club you know, incrementally grow in terms of their financial strength because we've been so reliant on Premier League money for for the last five years. And when you lose it, you then look else, you look elsewhere and see where the money's coming from. And there isn't, you know, much else. So it's all part of a grand plan, and I think it works at the moment. So I, I would, I would, I would think that that is that is the more likely plan than moving to Bushy in the next couple of years. Adam mentioned it
3: every time. I set foot inside Vicarage Road. It, I love it. I absolutely love it. The fact that where it is, you know, nestled within the within the houses, just slightly sunk. Um, you know you wouldn't know it was there until you turn the corner it's absolutely sensational and it does look beautiful from from the inside you know can't wait for people to be back in it of course sitting in those in those shiny yellow and red seats it's a it's a lovely ground it really really is it's got its issues you know the the rookery uh, the vickery road concourse we know is is a little bit tight and so on and so forth but you know every 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 ground has its little it has its issues doesn't it and i think it's much much better to have something with with character, something that that we uh, we know and love and have called home for for so long. So I think that that sounds like a really really exciting prospect, and I think one that will please virtually all, if not all, Watford supporters. Unless I suppose you, you live in Bushy and you're a Watford fan and uh, and you fancy just having a ten second walk to, to the ground. You know there is we, we've talked about the, the the capacity, and it's very rare that you do sell out a Watford game, even in the Premier League. You could you could probably find a ticket, but it was odds and sods, and and, and, and there is a big a season ticket waiting list we know that i think interest will be peaked even further now as we come out of the pandemic and Watford in the premier league so i think it's it's the right time to to look forward and try and extend that capacity um just to, because you can't have new fans if you can't fit them in so i think it's good to good to aim high and and, and go for it and um, yeah have the possibility of, of fitting more bodies in so that for me sounds like the the, the best option so I'll be watching uh, watching with interest and uh, yeah the thought of expanding Victory Road is an exciting one
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: It is the end of the season. It's course time to decide who is the best player of Watford season in the play of the season. And yesterday, Mike, Jason, Colin and I gathered to see who we thought should be taking away that crown. So, player of the season, we're going to get to give one out this year, Mike. There was nobody who we could give that award to last year, is there?
3: No, absolutely <laughs> not. I think it was, um, it was, it was disastrous from from start to finish. In fact, Arlo was talking about it because the first game of the season last year was his birthday, the tenth of August, and we were stuck in a massive queue at Calais trying to get back from France, and we were stuck sat in the same place for about eight hours uh, on a nine-year-old's birthday. Um, I said, oh, don't worry, I'll watch Watford first game of the season. Here we go. The, the queue at Calais was uh, infinitely more pre- pleasurable than the than the than the rest of the football season, wasn't it? So no, no one deserved a, a, a player of the season award. It was it was, it was awful from start to finish. <laughs> so that's last year,
1: but this year feels like, well, I, I don't want to give just one award out. I want to give them all an award. It's been such mm-hmm. a fun season, especially the second half. They all deserve an award. Colin, what award
5: could we possibly give? Who, who deserves an award? What can we give some awards out for? There's a few. I was thinking. I was thinking most, about. I was to start at the back. I was thinking maybe Backman could get either the Bold Award or the Purcell Award <laughs> well, for keeping sheets, sheets oh, so dear, incredibly yeah. clean. Yes, because he has been amazing. But a uh, bold still a thing. <laughs> bold, <laughs> Mike. What are you talking about? Bold non bio. It's the best. Yeah,
3: still nothing around there.
6: Michael yeah. clearly doesn't. Clearly doesn't do the washing in his house.
5: <laughs> no. The Daz Award, we could go even up more old school.
1: Jace, what about, what about uh, uh, Sierra Alta? I was thinking Best Newcomer, because, you know, he's the best of all the new boys this year. What else could we give an award for?
6: He uh, he could also go for the um Prudel Regeneration Award, I think. Oh, yeah. the man bun,
1: yeah. Man bun Absolutely, of the year.
6: Absolutely, yeah, and, the, and just his general good looks.
1: Adam Messina, I think there's two moments that Adam Messina, Mike, deserves an award for. Can you guess which two awards we should think about giving him? I don't want to uh, hear one. What... <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God.
3: His, his telescopic leg against Norwich. I, I, think, I think it's his is... toe.
1: Just his yeah. toe. Just give his toe an award.
3: Yeah, all right. So there you go, Adam. You which Was his right or left foot? It's, it's, anyway, is this the first time a toe has ever been awarded uh, an award? <laughs> the longest toe in the squad award. Yeah, but, but he's got to get one for his free kick. Yes, Ooh. of course. The Break the Hoodoo, Break the Curse Award. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I was The thinking, Tozer
1: Award. Well, I was thinking Neil Redfern, but I, maybe I'm going back a bit too far, Colin. Cabaselli didn't play much, Jason, um, but he's got some notoriety in, in the last week. I was thinking maybe the, uh, the the best use of a meme award would work quite well.
6: I was going to say, yeah, when uh, when Cabaselli um, hears that he's won that award... I think the local man is pleased T-shirt will be back on. Uh, <laughs> that would be quite a prestigious award to win. Jason, what can we give uh, to William Trusty Kong? For, for, for Trusty Kong, how about the Attention to Detail Award? Because uh, we know he spends a lot of time doing oh, his gosh. own analysis, looking at his own game. So I think uh, you, you need to give him some credit for that.
3: Can I say what I hope we can give him the award next year? Is the is the Garmin or the TomTom uh, award for most improved sense of direction. Because some of William's passing has left a little bit to be desired. Um and that little area at the back of the um to Elton John stand where I've been kicking it uh, out of frustration for the last last year took a bit of a pounding on um, uh, on Saturday when there was a couple of misplaced passes. So hopefully this time next year, William Truesty-Kong will be the proud recipient of the uh, yeah the most improved direction uh, sense of direction award the Garmin or TomTom. Uh, award I reckon
5: I, I want to come in and just uh, and, and give a more positive um, award to the to the great man William Trooster Kong and I'd like to give him the Talk Talk award for the phone calls he made that night after the Coventry game oh. to galvanise the squad <laughs> yes, and bring them together chef. and create a whole new atmosphere in that dressing room which led to us winning I don't know 17 games out of 19 or whatever it was and I think he does deserve a lot of credit because it's, it's easy to duck away at, when things are tough it's easy, especially if you're a new boy. It's his first season. He's come in. He's looking around off that game. People are, you know, digging each other out. He's got in his car. He's feeling miserable after a poor performance. And he's thinking, I could just go home and put Netflix on. But he thinks, no, actually, I am a bit older. I am a sort of senior player. I've had a lot of experience over the years. I'm going to phone around some of the other lads and see if we can have a clear the air chat. And I think if he hadn't done that, I mean, maybe someone else would have done it. But the fact that he did it. Is great credit to him and it did really make a difference.
3: You know what probably happened though, Col? He probably took a wrong turning somewhere, poor sense of direction, (laughs) got lost. He thought, what? I've got an hour out of the way, what am I going to do with myself? I might as well phone the lads. Well, there's always an award
1: ceremonies. I mean, we've still got more to go, we've got more to give out, but I still think a, someone at the award ceremony has to go away with, like, just too many in their hands, so they can't quite handle, you know, can't keep them all in their hands. i think thinking Foster needs a few here. I think, one, his, his commitment to post-match analysis, even though we sort of mentioned that for William Troostekong, his attention to detail, but, you know, all these videos he's putting on YouTube, and, and just for the, his, his camera work alone, how he holds it at such, interesting angles best cinematography and maybe i think you know there's lots of things people do on youtube just to get a little bit of attention and i think ben foster doing videos while laying on his bed was probably trying too much it's got to be a, a kim kardashian award for breaking the internet <laughs> in a hotel room would be a, a pretty decent one and um, i also
5: think he should get the best friend award because his performance uh, on Hornet Hive, after we were promoted, when he came on with daniel Batman the you can see. The, the real man in those moments because he was absolutely delighted obviously that the club's been promoted but he was also delighted that Batman had done so even though it meant that he hadn't played there wasn't even a scintilla of disappointment about uh, the way he presented himself in those moments he was as happy as a 17 year old kid you know winning his first cup competition or whatever and and the fact that he was able to say you know this is this the guy Batman is the man Danny's the man you know we're all in it together I really love that about Ben and I think that um, he really stands up as somebody that you know you, you you have to admire.
1: There's a lot of midfield we have to give awards to. Jason Cleverly is, is an interesting one because you know he has that sort of character we need to give him award for. And you know, Colin mentioned Truesticon for for making the phone calls, and it took those senior players, all of them, to do stuff. But it's it's the fact that he sets
6: a tone out there. Is there is there an award that we can give Cleverly for his? His leadership this year? Yeah, I I think so. And also, <clears throat> in a recent interview he did, he talked about the debt that he felt he was sort of paying back to the club and the, and the fans. So I think for that, we need to give him the, uh, the Clubman of the Year Award. Oh, it's yes. not always one that's sort of well-coveted in Sunday League football, but I think in this case, it, it carries a lot more gravitas and he'll be happy to win that award.
3: He's the bloke you'd most like to take home to meet your mum award, I reckon. <laughs> Stand-up guy, solid... Yeah. Uh, dependable um, I think this we're sort of damning him with faint praise a little bit, um, hopefully take it in the spirit it's intended, but yeah, he's obviously such a solid guy and just the way he, he did that, that interview was brilliant, wasn't it? Just at the time we needed it most, just to, to for us all to know that the, this promotion push was in safe hands and there was people like Tom Cleverley prepared to work their nuts off to make sure it happened. And just I think it was such a well-timed interview that he said all the right stuff. But you felt he believed it. He really believed it, didn't he? You know, it was it was really quite emotional reading some of the stuff about how he felt that, you know, he owed it to the club because they've stood by him when he's been injured and he played a part in obviously that relegation side. So, yeah, I think uh, stand up guy and uh, yeah, the, the bloke you'd most like to take home to meet your mum award.
5: On that, Mike, do you think that he loathes the cherries enough to meet your mum? Um, I think he does. Yeah, I think if he if, if he
3: if he if he brought, brings Dan Gosling with him, and, and he and he can he can confirm all mum's worst fears and uh, and hatreds, then uh, yeah, that that would be that would be perfect. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Just, yeah, there's, there's like a code. Uh, how much do you hate Bournemouth at the uh, at the front door? In,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, if he doesn't I can't wait
5: the right answer, God help him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, talk Dan Gosling. I, I want to give him, you know, a midfielder promotion, promotion season. Came in late, made his impact. I, I want to give him the Ben Watson Memorial Award because um, he, he you know that that sort of level of professionalism he brought to the squad, uh, that certain level of uh, know it determination similar to cleverly in many ways but just uh, yeah did the business at the right time uh, in there what about uh, mike what about will hughes we need to give him an award he's a, a serious contender of course for for player of the season what can we give give
3: will pretty simple best in show isn't he i mean i know he's growing a beard but <laughs> <laughs> immaculately turned out <laughs> lovely luster on his coat at all times uh, very obedient um, does exactly <laughs> what, what what's asked of him um, sticks to his uh, marker like uh, like glue, keeps them on a tight leash, all that nonsense. I mean, look, all joking aside, is there a better player in that position in the championship than William Hughes Esquire? The answer is no. So, yeah, uh, best, best in, in show. show, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, uh, 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 sparkly eyes as well. Oh, I mean, just everything about the man is uh, is the best. <laughs> uh, Jason. <laughs> Best cameo.
1: There could be an argument for the Agakio and uh, Andre Gray partnership for their their coming on and scoring a goal within second against Birmingham. But is anyone else you think could be the best cameo?
6: Yeah, I think so. There's another player that joined us late in 2021. A player who signed. When he signed, we were told that he was rubbish by West Ham fan. Um, But he's done a decent job for us. And that's Carlos Sanchez. You'd always get that little bit of excitement when his first touch goes out for a throw on. But then after that you get a solid, dependable performance. Um and we we really did in sort of recent games we've seen him step up to the mark. Um I think it was a Reading game where, where he yeah. sort of stood firm uh in that holding position in midfield when we were struggling with injuries and uh yeah, he, he definitely I think earned the best cameo award. Hair and
3: makeup, Akraf Lazar. That's about all he. he I mean, he. Look, his hair never looked out of place, did he? But unfortunately, his his positional play was quite often out of place. So uh...
6: I think we could probably give him a award for uh, uh, sort of his charitable work for that back pass against uh, them up the road that led to the
1: penalty he's out for that alone
5: i'd like to take issue on that because the back pass itself was poor there's no doubt about that but did he really need to he could have come out um uh, i think it's a double error because he came out and just ran straight into him i mean he didn't even i mean it was was a bizarre um decision making by a goalkeeper who put under pressure by his own player admittedly but i don't think batman covered himself in glory in that moment either but yeah it was a lousy back pass yeah
1: Mike, um, Nathaniel Chalabar, I think Troy Deeney is giving him the Boys to Men Award uh, because <laughs> of how much he's, uh, he's matured this year. Any other award that you think maybe Nathaniel could get to sort of top off this midfield chat?
3: To the end oh. of the oh, world, no. and I can't <laughs> <get> go. <laughs> It's a natural. clenched fist to the air. You belong bring down. to me. I belong to you. Um that was Boys to Men, by the way. In case <laughs> yeah, for else. the slightly like younger listeners, yeah. Look, the the great thing about Nate Chalabar is just his return to form. So what about the Back to the Future Award? He's sort, sort of gone back to his that that form that we all hoped he could hit hit. He's gone back to being as influential as we as we hoped and, and expected really that he was going to be and all of a sudden he looks like a hot prospect for the future again doesn't he because at one stage it looked like we weren't going to be able to get a tune out of him it just wasn't clicking it wasn't happening and kind of when we've needed him to he's really stepped up hasn't he and so yeah I think he's uh yeah great Scott give him the uh, give it great Scott Duxbury give him the uh, back to the future award
1: we're <laughs> right up front though up front, you know, we've got, we've, got, we've got Ksar, we've got Ken and we've
5: got Pedro. Colin, what can we give Pedro for an award? Quickest into a scrap award? I mean, yeah, that definitely. boy loves a <laughs> yeah. scrap, doesn't he? As soon yeah. as there's a push on anyone, he'll run 30 yards to have another push. So I, 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 really, I really like that about him. And all the other players laugh when he does it and they go, go on, go on, kid, get in there, get stuck in. Um, but beyond the fact that obviously he won't be able to do that in the Premier League and I'm sure that he'll, um, he'll, he'll stop those kind of antics but he normally waits till it's got going and then he gets involved (laughs) so um that's that might save him from the odd yellow or red i I wonder how he would do in a scrap at kudos or destiny
1: or whatever the place is called these days yeah i think he might be a little bit too (laughs) late just to not be hit straight in the face but he he tried his best Um, let's hope we never find out as well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully,
5: yes. Yeah, I think also possibly. I mean, he's very good looking, according to my daughters. Not something that I know a great deal about, but they say, oh, George, Pedro Pedro's a good looking boy. So maybe pin up of the year, possibly. Surely Zinker Nagel's a, a shoe in for, for pin up of the year. In the yeah, but isn't he, uh, isn't he a housewife's favourite? Whereas I think Pedro Pedro's a bit of a teeny bopper.
1: Youngest say, Colin's you girls are teenagers. There might be a slight difference in that.
3: Pin up of the year, of course, is the. John award because it's either John McClellan for my mum or John Eustace for me. So uh, <laughs> The first yeah. non-John. Unless Jawa means John in, in Portuguese. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but I, I think I want to give him, just for his celebration after the, the goal, goal against Derby County, the, the most likely to slide on his knees uh, at yeah. a, a wedding.
3: <laughs> the, the, yeah, the most likely to do a Peter Kay style um, celebrate. But on that the, on, the, um, on the montage that, that Watford so brilliantly put together, the We Are Back montage and it's got the, all that. Brilliantly by the way, it's got the HMS P the League um, <laughs> ship that was doing the rounds early on in the season. It's got that snuck in the back of that. So if you haven't seen that, look in the Back right-hand corner of, of that brilliant um, collage, and you'll see just the, the the mast, if you like, of that ship in the in the corner. But it's got that that um, celebration at Derby, uh, and it looks like he's dislocated virtually every bone in his body. He's sort of stretched. His knees are bent backwards. He's arching backwards. It looks incredibly, incredibly painful. So let's hope he, A, doesn't get in a fight in, in Destiny or Oceania or Q, that's whatever it is, and B, doesn't hurt himself during those uh, quite extraordinary celebrations.
1: I think just because of the one moment where you got him good, Mike, you got him good. I think Ken <laughs> Semmer, uh, even though he's probably get the Goat of the Year with all the, the number Absolutely. of... Um, King Ken. King Ken, can get, I think he's going to win the Gotcha Oscar. Uh, if anyone remembers <laughs> Noel's house party uh yeah for uh, for falling for that one if you didn't see mike was part of a prank uh to say that what was the game what was the game against he he scored a goal but then it was going
3: it was an own goal or thought to be against, an own goal it was against i think it was against bristol city oh yes and uh, there was some concert there was some vague confusion about the, whether the first goal and we uh, yeah yeah did a did a prank on him and what i what i loved about that was the just the way he took it you know his big smile big laugh Ken has been front and centre, hasn't he? He's been one of the shining lights all season. You know, at the second half of the season, his, his form tailed off a little bit, perhaps understandably so. It was a, a difficult season for a whole host of reasons. But he really was... You know he's 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 become a cult hero very quickly hasn't he and and I think a lot of that is down to his his disposition he's just he looks like he's enjoying playing football for Watford football club and as as supporters to see that you can you can hang your hat on that can't you and even when things weren't going well, Ken Semmer was one of the Few highlights, wasn't he? And I just love the fact that he's always smiling. He always looks happy. He looks like a man happy in his work, happy in a Watford shirt. And he made a massive, massive contribution this year. And uh, yeah, it's uh, his Ken's smiling eyes will be one of the uh, one of the abiding memories of uh, of this year for me.
1: Love a good Ken smile, uh, yeah. Jason Assar, He needs an award. He's scored lots of goals. He's made us excited. Uh, I was thinking, thank God you stuck around award because uh, things would have been a bit different. What else could we give him?
6: Yep, yeah, uh well we know uh all about his pace. So we've got the Auto Sport magazine Zero to Sixty Award for being the fastest player on earth. Oh, yes, um yes. he's he's taken many victims with his pace, the latest being uh Millwall's Billy Mitchell. I was I was surprised when the ref gave the uh the penalty on Saturday. It wasn't immediately followed by a doof doo-doo, doof do do however it goes. Um but yeah, Ishmael Asar the fastest player on earth the Autosport Magazine to 60 award Excellent. or the Road Runner award
4: <laughs> 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 um,
1: Colin we missed out Kiko Kiko needs an award we missed him out defence he, he, you know, was he he's been on our lips
5: and, and been part of our
1: praise the entire season what could we give our, uh, our Kiko I mean
5: worst sock wearer that's for sure well, you, I know you've taken against his socks, John, but you're very strict about uniform. And I, I, have name, Colin, I have standards, Colin, I have standards. You're being a primary school teacher. I don't know <laughs> if your school has um, has a uniform, but I, if the kids at your school have to wear a uniform, they'd better wear it right. Mooney's on the mark. And they do. So, yes, I, I didn't mind his... I don't know what the socks thing was about. I'd, I'm quite, I think it's to do with relieving pressure on his calves. He also wore quite a lot of tape down the backs of his legs. And it's not surprising... Because Kiko Firminia is a man who runs and runs and runs and runs, and I would just I would like to give him some form of sort of enduring hero award, or the endurance award, or the um, the Ironman award, just for the amount of running that that player does for us. And uh, I, for one. Really, really like him. Uh, He seems, again, a bit like Ken. It seems like a lot of the players in the team. They like to play with a smile on on their faces. They're enjoying their football. Obviously, they're winning loads of games, so they're bound to be enjoying it. But nevertheless, he seems to have that demeanour. He seems to be happy in a Watford shirt. He never. There's never any noise around him, really. I mean, the media are trying to say, oh, "Will he stay? Won't he stay?" And there may be a, an opportunity for him to leave, but he's got a young family. He's very settled. He's going to be playing Premier League football. He's definitely number one in that position at the club, unless they go and buy somebody absolutely superb, which I I think is they've got other priorities. So I can see him staying, and I just think that that the work rate and the way that he's he's helped Saar. Saar was mean you know, being very fulsome in praising. Forminia this week saying what and you know they were different types of footballers but they really had learned to play alongside each other um, to link up well and to to cause havoc down their right hand side and we've seen that pretty much all season and a lot of that is to do with Kiko and so yeah I think the uh, the enduring hero award or the uh, the um, the Ironman award. The Iron
3: Man award is right because we've seen him, um, he's almost Rocky-esque. He was drinking, there's that picture on his, on his Instagram of him drinking his coffee out in the snow with very little clothing on. Um, so yeah, he can obviously, he's obviously tough on and off the pitch. So yeah, I reckon the Ironman award for Kiko is, uh, is perfect. Well,
1: that, that, that certain chat there, lad, seems to think you're, you're, you're making him a serious contender. Not just the fun awards we've been talking about, but yeah, who are the serious contenders for player of the season? There are a lot to pick on. They've all done great. We're not going to knock anybody. But who are the serious contenders? Colin, we see the WhatsApp group. We know who you love quite a lot. Who is your serious, serious contender for it?
5: Do you mean Willow the Wisp? LAUGHTER uh, again, um, uh, one for the older audience. One for the old people who've been listening for a while. Um, I think I mentioned that about years ago uh, by accident. Anyway, um, I would say William James Hughes Esquire is a very strong contender for player of the season. I think you could argue that he only really came into his own after Cisco changed the system. And instead of putting him in the more forward positions in that in that midfield three, actually asking him to play in the deeper position, which we had become accustomed to watching Chalabar play there and seeing everyone saying Hughes is another, he's another 10 pushing further up the pitch. And Cisco obviously saw something both in Chalabar who didn't thrive in that position. I don't think really. And in, in Hughes who he felt could really play that anchor role. And as soon as he went in there, it looked like he'd been playing that position for a hundred years. He looked born to play it. I'm reminded of Firminia at um, Liverpool because people were confused. He was a number nine on his back, like Ian Rush. And yet he wasn't scoring that many goals. He played in the central part of this three-man attacking. And no one really understood his role. And they said, and someone, the journalists, went, I mean, what is your part in the system? And he said, I am the system. And I think that you can apply that to Will Hughes. Uh, I really think that when the system changed, he became the key player in the new system and he was the one the piece of the jigsaw that helped everyone else work almost to their, their their highest potential you know we've seen Gosling and we have seen Sanchez come on play in a more forward position also uh, drop into that anchor role but we've we've seen Zinkanagel, have we, we've seen in we've seen players interchange in those two more forward midfield positions but Um, And they've been able to do that and do it successfully. And the same for, I guess you could argue, for Semarin and Saar and also for the two fullbacks to get forward, to have that courage to get forward and and overload opposition. So much of that is down to the fact that we can rely and trust Hughes and the defensive unit in case of a, a quick breakaway. And I think that he inspires that kind of confidence in the players around him. I think that when he gets the ball, they don't think he's going to lose it. They take a step forward because they know he's going to keep it and maybe find a pass or find a little pocket of space. And on the other hand, he's always available. So when you are under pressure, you can make a half turn and there's Hughes saying, you can give it to me if you want. And you pass it to him and then the ball gets recycled. So I think he's been so pivotal in our success in the second half of the season since that Coventry game. I think that he has to be uh, and as um, Mike said earlier, I mean, if you can if you can tell me who's a better player in that position in the championship, I don't know who that would be. And I, so I think that makes him a serious contender.
3: Can I add a little bit to that as well? And I think Colin's done a brilliant job in explaining just how vital he is on the pitch. But I think this season has been interesting in us getting to know a little bit more about Will Hughes as a as a character as well. And I think we probably assume that he probably was quite quiet and maybe a little bit retiring. <laughs> or I, I I did. I don't know why just based on based on appearances and obviously what we've seen this year from you know Ben Foster's videos he's got a, a brilliant wicked sense of humor he's obviously um, a a big part of the of the of the of the changing room and that dynamic and just on you know I was lucky enough to be there on on Saturday and just watching the the, the vast swathes of interviews that were done afterwards just watching how Will Hughes operates he's an incredibly confident but nice bloke, and, you know, he's witty, Uh, he's really, really charismatic, and he's a much, much bigger and more influential character, I think, than I possibly thought. And we needed characters like that this season. We've talked about William Trooste-Kong stepping up and and, and making those phone call and making that happen. That's a big characteristic. That takes, you know, bollocks, quite frankly, to, to step up and do it. And I think Will Hughes has got... The cojones as well, and and I think that's something that we've probably learned this year. So everything that Colin says about how vitally is on the pitch, I think there's extra stuff behind the scenes that we possibly haven't been aware of so much until this season. So I think he's huge on the training ground and in the dressing room as well. And I think as we move towards the Premier League, we're going to need characters like that, Um and he's he's a big one. So I think that that feeds into it as as well. He really is a a fully rounded character and member of of, of the team and, and squad.
1: Well, I don't know after the two of you going at him like that, there's no other choice for player of the season, but let's see if there are the other serious contenders. Jason, Sierra do we think Sierra has got it? Only sort of really played half the season, but did he have a big enough impact, do you think, to give him and, you know, to make him part of that conversation for player of the season?
6: Oh, I definitely think so. I think with uh, Francisco, he, he, he's had a, a great half of the season which he's played and he's a star in the making as well we jokingly given him that uh best newcomer award and it's easy to forget that he is actually still quite young he's only 23 you look at him on the pitch the way he plays look at him in general you think he's much older and much more mature as a footballer and he's probably played more football this season than he has in his whole career so far and you, you wouldn't think that from the way he plays as a defender. He's strong in the air, good header of the ball. But off the ball, he's very impressive as well. I think he reads the game really well. He knows when to attack. His positional sense is pretty good. It's rare that he gets caught out. I think it only happens once or twice throughout the season. And I love what he does when he hasn't got the ball and he's up against an attacker. That thing he does where the old-fashioned shoulder... I don't know, shoulder charge is the right word or shoulder barge but when he goes shoulder to shoulder with an attacker he has this incredible ability to knock them off balance knock them off their feet without giving a foul or a penalty away there's been a few sort of hairy moments where you think oh crikey we're in trouble here but actually no he's done it to perfection um, and and the championship strike force in general have, have struggled up against him he's, he's not given them an inch and for a, a player to come into a side that was Whilst we weren't performing brilliantly, we were defending pretty well. So for him to come in to that team, keep out a couple of experienced Premier League players in Cabaselli and Craig Cathcart, and hold his place in the team for a young lad that's not played that much football, very very impressive. But my, you know,
1: we've we've we've, we've heard Tierto, very good. Will Hughes, very very good. We yeah, you know, we've already said how great Kiko was this year. The only player that I think is. Well, would you
3: put him above Ishmael Asar? Yeah, I think I would. And the, the reason being, Will Hughes didn't play the entire season through no fault of his own at all. Sir Alta wasn't brought in until later in the, the season as well. Someone who has played he's going to miss the last two games unfortunately and obviously missed a game through suspension but if you're going to get sent off against anyone you can be permitted for getting a red card against luton um kiko has, has played an integral part from game one all the all the way through the season in this promotion campaign and as we will all remember the start of the season um up until christmas was pretty tough going and i kept thinking this how is this talented side making this look so difficult they're coming up against inferior opposition with all due respect it, it they, the players they were playing against were not as good as them and they were like it was like watch they were running through treacle they were making it look difficult apart from one man and that was kiko femenia in every game he played Uh, He looked every inch a Premier League footballer. He looked like he had extra time. His touch was superior. His passing was superior. He was able to get things going down the the right-hand side when it looked like we could have played until 2025 and never scored a goal and defensively he's played his part in an absolutely extraordinary record that that Watford are, are having so far if they can round off this season not conceding too many goals it really will almost be historic i think i think there's an opportunity for them to have conceded the fewest goals in a in a championship season for any any side i think that's still there so as a defender um you have to give him credit for that his attacking prowess has been highlighted throughout out the season his link-ups with Ismail Assar have been absolutely breathtaking at times, and obviously Ismail Asar is a huge, huge contender, hugely important, but the, the question we asked how time and time again, how do we get Ismail Asar into the game? And usually it's Kiko Fomenia, and that has been a constant throughout. So I think he's been a shining beacon of quality right through the dirge, all the way through to to, to getting us promoted. And so I just, I just think the fact that he has performed at seven or eight out of ten Throughout the season, week in week out, means that he, for me, I think, just edges it as as player of the season. I think he's been been stupendous through through thick and thin. But Ishmael Assad, Jason, can you make a case for Ishmael Assad to be player of the season?
6: You've got to include him in the mix, haven't you? I think yeah, just because what he's done for us, the 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 games he's won for us, we've we've won a lot of games by the odd goal, and it's been his productivity, his his runs even the the, where he's been the player that's been fouled in the box for the for the penalties there's been a few of those i think as well because he's just an an out and out danger he's a threat when we've attacked at times in games we have very much focused it down the right hand side and it's not like the opposition don't know it's coming they know exactly where the threat is and they still can't cope with it they've tried to put bodies out there um, and we've talked about kiko and how important he's been in that i think as well the The attacking midfield players are just as important. They run those channels down the right-hand side to support. But, yeah, Saar with his pace, with his ability, um, maybe earlier in the season we weren't quite getting the end products, but that has quickly come along and we know how much we paid for him. Has it been worth every penny? I think we probably still need to see more, but he can't be far off. There'll be clubs looking again this summer because of the performance he's he's put in this season.
3: He's been he's been absolutely extraordinary. I mean, the only reason I think Kiko beats him to to player of the season is because earlier on, and again, I don't think this is any fault of his own. I don't think we were playing to his strengths at all. But he just looked like it was a bit of a struggle early on for him. He didn't look like he was enjoying his football, and he wasn't having the impact that he had in the in the second half of the season. But but the impact he did have in the second half of the the season. It was nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, just seeing the way he developed into this player who just... He knew he had the opposition on toast. He knew that he could beat whoever he is up against for pace. You know, Find me someone that can beat a defender that can beat him for pace and I'd, I'd be very, very surprised. And it sort of all clicked into place in the in the second half of the season and we we got the Ismail Assad that we hoped we were going to see um and I and I don't want to be too critical of him because I don't you know the whole team were out of sorts weren't they up until christmas up until the, the Bristol City game um but after that when we we clicked as an attacking threat so much of it was as a as a result of him you know later on in the season he's getting double teams that frees up space elsewhere for for other people to 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 make a difference a remarkable, remarkable talent and a huge, huge part of uh, of this promotion season. And, you know, they look at the key games. The Reading game, which was a, a must-win, two wonderful goals. He just took the game away from them in, in, in an instant. The game against uh, Millwall, a game of very, very low on quality, very few chances... The defender just couldn't deal with him, knew he had to do something, and the fouling it was his best bet, and that's where we got our goal from. And as Jason said, a lot of these games have been very close, despite us finding our attacking mojo. There still have been, you know, one nils, two ones knocking around. And and all too often, and this isn't a criticism, the difference is one bit of quality. And very frequently, that bit of quality has come from, from Ismail Asar. He was increasingly direct, increasingly dynamic, and increasingly influential. And I, for one, am drinking in every minute that we have Ismail Asar as a a Watford player. He is an extraordinary talent. And I think if he carries on at this trajectory, you know, his confidence will continue to grow, and a confident Ismail Assar is a terrifying Ismael Assar for anyone playing Watford, and I include anyone in the in the Premier League in that. We, we only need to look at the Liverpool game when we played them at the peak of their powers, and he absolutely dismantled them. So wonderful player! I don't think we saw enough of it. We didn't see it from start to finish like we did for Kiko. Still banging the drum for you there, Kiko.
5: I think also what's really impressive about him is that he's played under the pressure of being seen as our best player Mm. and for a young man to play under that kind of pressure to come out onto the pitch knowing that everyone in the opposition in the media in the ground they know that he's the he's arguably the most gifted player on the pitch but he's only 20 21 and he has still been able to perform and and uh, and affect results even under that kind of pressure and that that speaks about mental strength which is something you know he's going to need if he's going to have the career that we that we think he he could have, and uh, he's showing that now. And we are very very lucky to have him. I think.
1: So come on, you've got to make your choices, gentlemen. You've got to make your choices. Who is your player of the season? <laughs> Michael, Kiko, definitely. Colin Hughes, Jason.
6: I voted officially for Mister Will Hughes.
1: Well, you lot know nothing about football. Why are you not voting for Martin <laughs> Navarro? I've got no idea. <laughs> From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Adam, who, who's your player this season?
2: It's a tough one. Oh, cool. uh, I think I'm going to go for Kiko Sieralsa. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got. Cl- I, it's difficult. I I've missed out Will Hughes within that name as well. Will Kiko Sierra Lsa. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's and Tom Cleverley as well. And Tom Cleverley. So I think what this season is. Uh, I don't think there's been an individual who has stood ha- uh, head and shoulders above above the rest um, consistently all the way through. But I think there have been sort of moments within the season where performances have shone from individuals at key times but i think maybe maybe having said that i I would probably go for francisco Sirelta because i think he has been as consistent as anyone else and has made a huge amount of difference so i'm going to go for i'm going to go for big fran
1: Oh, the hipster's choice, I think. The hipster's choice. Well done, Adam. Um, now here's a quick question, uh, quiz question for you both. You draw history of, of Watford. Now the first time Watford got relegated from the top division, who was the player this season? The following year, I bring this up because my friend Ollie Wicken, uh, writer and creator of Hornet Heaven and part of the YBR and the Treasury team, pointed this out to me. So I'm not that clever, but he points it out to me. Who was the first name? Do you think that season, Mike? Eighty-eight, eighty-nine came to mind.
3: What, 88? When we came down from Division 1? Yeah,
1: the first season. Who dropped in Woods? I assume name. it's Tony Cohn. Adam, who was your first thought for you?
2: The first person I thought of was Dave Bamba.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing about this, the player who won it actually only played 25 games. And scored five goals. They played like four at the beginning of the season, got injured. A few in September, got injured. Played most of November, a bit of December, then got injured. Played between February and April, where they scored five goals, where I'm sure that's where the vote happened. Uh, and then they didn't play the last six games of the season. Any ideas now, Mike?
3: What, what year are we talking? 88-89.
1: Uh, My first guess was John uh, McClennan, but it wasn't. It,
3: is it your favourite player, John? It's, it is, isn't it? It, it
1: is. is! It's your favourite player! <laughs> Glenn Hodges!
2: Wow. Oh, Glenn Hodges.
1: <laughs> so, that oh. was a little... That, he got me on that one, so I thought I'd share that with everybody. Yeah, he's after... Literally, if you look at the, the, the chart that's on Watford Archive, you think, he hardly ever played a game. But he had the right games at the right time and he was just great generally um, but uh, no either, yeah, John McClendon mm-hmm. and Tony get my first guesses uh, we've got one more game to go Adam home to Swansea I'd like a draw just so we can at least equal what oh, are you uh, talking about a draw man at least at least uh, just because you know that would get us to 89 points and that would equal us to what we achieved when we went up in 2015 uh, but of course we want to, want to win. Uh, is it, are we going to see the same? Do you think we might, because they've, they've had a, a, you know, almost a week off, or other, by that point, two weeks off, Ishmael Asar and, and, and Jao Pedro to come back into that team to be a bit more normal?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think there'll probably be a decision to be made, especially with the sort of the niggles, that they might actually just sort of go, you know what, it, it, it's, it's, this isn't important at all for Watford. And if you have got a niggle, just have a breather. I think a lot of them will want to finish the season, especially play on you know, on that Vicarage Road pitch for one more time. And if, yeah, if Saar, uh, Joao Pedro, Nathaniel Chalabar can can maybe come in and, and play, I don't think... It doesn't look like Tom Cleverley's going to play. I wouldn't have thought. It didn't look like a serious injury. Um, and he'd sort of been struggling with a little bit of an injury at the end of the, the Millwall game. And obviously he's been out with that knee injury. So... Uh, I would have thought, I think probably the sensible thing is to just give other people a go. And I know you want to finish and you want to finish with a win and a flourish and all that sort of stuff. But there's no point someone picking up an injury um, that is going to then rule them out and delay them in terms of their pre-season and that sort of stuff. I, I'd wrap them, to be honest, I'd just wrap them in cotton wool and give someone else a go. Um, that, that would be my choice. But unfortunately, I haven't actually been officially appointed um, as the uh, super, super sporting director as yet i mean that's to come i've got an, i've got an article coming up on the athletic Award um but, but no i yeah i i guess what, what, what do you guys think I, there's no point like if sar's got a little bit of a knee knee problem or whatever you know whatever just that, there's no there's no point there's no,
3: no point there isn't i'd i'd like to finish with a with a flourish i'd like to get the those the, the home wins up the, you know that astonishing points tally. I'd like to rack that up, so it's one that we can look back in in years to come. And I and I do think it'd be nice to end with a clean sheet as well. Um, if we do keep a clean sheet, we will have equaled the record for uh, fewest goals conceded in a in a championship season. And I think they do deserve to go out on a high with a, with a with, as the full stop being a, a zero in the goal against column. But you know, look, it really doesn't matter it really doesn't matter next season is 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 what happens now is is the most important thing now the focus is very much on that uh, for us as supporters, or it or it should be, I think it's one where we can sit back, relax, enjoy whatever happens. It's one more game until that very very long break. Now it'll feel like, won't it, with all the transfer rumours that start swirling around, contract negotiations, rumours about this, rumours about that. It will feel like a long time. So let's enjoy that final ninety odd minutes that we that we get to watch of of, of this season. It has been a cracker, and in, uh, in the end, and it'd be good to to round it off with a. Um, Round it off with a flourish, you know. Swansea will be preparing for the playoffs. They'll they may well have a rough idea of who they're playing. Very much like if Watford had had a bit of luck today, I think we could have we could have beaten Brentford. I think Watford will fancy their chances against Swansea, who won't be going all guns blazing. They'll they'll be worried about injuries much more than we are, for example. But yeah, I think Adams absolutely right. If there's any doubt whatsoever uh, about anyone, then yeah, they'd just get them wrapped up in cotton wool, ready to come back. Let them have their break. They've earned it. Come back fit as a fiddle, ready for pre-season uh, because we're going to need everybody fit, focused and, and ready to go in the in the Premier League. I'd love, 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 love to, to end this season on a high, but that we've had the high. We've done it. The job of work is done. We don't need to worry too much. But yeah, just finishing off with, a, with another clean sheet and another cheeky little one-nil would be absolutely perfect for me.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Adam.
2: Absolute pleasure, gents. Have a good week.
3: And thank you, Michael. Cheers, fellas. Well done, Watford. Well done, everybody. Carry on enjoying it. We've lost today, but we lost the battle, but we won the war.
4: Yeah. Yeah. The Athletic.